Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week it's, is this thing cursed? This goddamn thing's the worst, no one look in that direction, and everything starts to hurt. I think they tried to trip you up. They were like, oh, it's going to be a tough, tough intro Mm -hmm. for David, because this will definitely be a David intro. Uh huh. So let's uh, let's make it. Is this thing cursed? He he, he he'll lose it. But they were wrong again. Wrong again. No, I will. I don't want to be defeated. <laughs> As your podcast about alkaline trio. Every week we talk about one alkaline trio song, and this week it's is this thing cursed? Jesus, it is mm-hmm. tough. It's tough for it's, me. It's not a. It's not an easy one to say. Uh, and you know, then they went and titled the album this. This thing, cur- no, it. This thing is it. This thing of What's ours. What's the deal with cursed food? Um, you know, just doing some bits is what they were they were doing here. I personally big fan of bits, um, and I'm what a big Bob's? fan of this song. Is this thing cursed by the Alkaline Trio? You know, Tim, so am I. Uh, it's It was not the first song we heard from the record, because Blackbird, they put out, that was the lead single, mm-hmm. and we were both into it, and we talked about it when it came out, and we're very optimistic. And, you know, this song is is one I really like, but it's also pretty weird. Not Not comparable to a lot of their other songs, really. Well, most especially... Not comparable to any first song on an album. And this song performs a function that, well, you know, you see in other records. It's almost like the title card scroll down from uh, Star Wars is what this song is. Yeah, I mean... It's a good way to put it in part because it's just like, you know, I've spent a lot of the last couple of days thinking about, uh, yeah, how do I compare this and how do I, how would I even rank it in terms of openers? Not that I think that's like a totally instructive thing because they're usually pretty good at those. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's not another one that does this where it is, it's a song that is an intro, really. You know, this is. I don't see how you play this song live and then not immediately go into the song that follows it. It feels very much necessary yeah, um, because it's it's kind of a lead-in uh, in all respects where by the end of it, I'm having a real good time and it feels like there should be more song, but it also feels like there shouldn't be because uh, it's kind of done what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. And they don't usually write stuff that is purely like, we are making this serve a very specific function on the record. Right. And we talked in our pre-production meeting that really what this would be, like the most apt comparison is the intro to Time to Waste, the piano intro, except this obviously gets fleshed out into a full song. The band fucking kicks in. And then... They go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, it's one of those where the the starting kind of like ambiance around Dan's voice is so interesting that it almost feels like they're doing a slow burn intro, but that's not what happens. Kind of, it just really kicks in and they're doing it and it's this big song and it gets fast and it has Matt and Dan singing back and forth on one another and trading verses and, and it sounds so energetic and full of life that it's kind of like, you know, hearing it for the first time, I was like, whoa, like they're doing it. They're doing the thing. Yeah, that's pretty wild. That is it's been a while, boys, and it just felt very refreshing. And uh, I mean, I still contend that I think the first three songs on this record are really perfectly sequenced and just like are are kind of the high watermarks for me. But, um, you know, it it definitely sets the record up to be like a much more fun listening experience Mm -hmm. than I think the the prior two, because I think both My Shame is True and this addiction just try to like come in really direct. Yeah. Um, and I think they're fine songs, but I think they kind of lose the rest of the record doesn't measure up to it, Mm -hmm. you know? And and this one kind of does the opposite play where it gets really fun and then kind of sets up a song that gets a little weirder. Yeah, totally. And like hearing blackbird for the first time, you and I were both like, Oh, Whoa. I think they've still, got it and mm-hmm. then this was released as the second single and I, I, we were we were just like they've never done anything like this before yeah i mean that's the thing is like i'm you know and the more we've talked about songs on this record i really think there are some real standouts like when we talked about heart attacks you know a few months back I was really struck by like, you know, that song has a lot more going on than I think I noticed on first blush. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of songs that like they're doing the thing where they're like using weird chord structures. They're not doing the expected thing. And that feels that feels most like what they did when they would be in a room together playing. And that's really how this record was made. You know, we've. We just did a big old episode on the Patreon um, on an idea that a patron actually sent in, which was, you know, because when we talk about this addiction and the return to form record, we talk about it sucks. And they were like, what are good ones? So we talked about that. But I would contend that though this wasn't sold as such, this is kind of what it is. Like, this is the good version of that idea. Yeah. Right. Because the one thing that I remember is, you know, in kind of the press release and in some of the interviews, Dan was like, yeah, we got in a room and we like threw out everything and just wrote it together and recorded it together. And that was it. And he was, you know, comparing it to maybe I'll catch fire in terms of like, that's kind of how quickly that record was made. And I don't think they sound similar at all. Um, right. You know, like not in any universe, but I get what he means. Cause it's the process was similar. And I think you get some of the weirdness that's on a record like that, where it's like, mm, that's not really how it's supposed to go. Yeah. Um, but again, there's also not like, we're going to do one riff 64 times in a row either, which is more emblematic of what that record is. Yeah, and I think that where this really differs from this addiction is, you know, there's getting into the, you know, the same space and trying to recreate the magic. And what they do very well on this one is they all get in the same space and they don't try to recreate anything they try mm-hmm. to create something new and 
what you're hearing is all very, very fresh. Yes, yes. I mean, the the thing I really have always liked about this song and why I think it sets up the record so well is that that production stuff that's kind of rising behind Dan or then setting him up to sing, I could see putting people off really quickly because it feels like, oh, they're doing one of their, like, like, you know, sound effects, like garbage production stand-in records. But then it kind of kicks in and it's just the band playing and it sounds like the band playing. Yeah. You know, and the way that Matt is singing on this track, both how he's recorded backing up Dan and singing opposite Dan sounds like him just like goofing off at practice and then being like, yeah, do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's really cool. And and even the way this ends with that big kind of hanging note of them singing the same line, like that feels so, it just feels like they're really together again. And like, they're really just trying to like focus on making each song the best it can be. Mm Mm-hmm. And it definitely doesn't sound, and, you know, I, I talk about it all the time, is like so many people, and I imagine it's really going to be a thing um, post-COVID, but so many records are going to sound like they have demo-itis because people have just been at home demoing them and locking them in mm. to where, like, when it's presented to the band, it's just going to be like, well, yeah, just play what the drum machine plays. That's why I put it there. Um, <laughs> you know, and I think those records usually suck shit. Um, people should not do that. Yeah. Um I think I really like the way that you referred to Matt's backing vocals in here because I I love the idea that he's just singing pretty much underneath all of Dan's parts and he's mm-hmm. singing the fuck out of it. He's really going, um, you know. And I I I feel like there's a. a an idea that just like comes naturally out of oh you want me to just like sing the whole thing okay Mm -hmm. yeah no if it's sounding good then let's do it yeah yeah i mean that's what it plays as and it reminds me so much of like you know when you see old live clips or even listen to some of those early records where like you know there's a lot of glenn in the background going like ah just like for reasons i don't know or like you know dan like just like you know trading his bike for a shopping cart like it's mm-hmm. got that kind of energy where it's just like this is where it goes this is what i'm doing like i don't care if it sticks out like right that's cool and i think i think this song just really gives that feel in a way that doesn't feel inauthentic to me mm-hmm. you know because it's kind of using the moves that like they've since established like when matt sings his verse you know kind of isolated with the palm muted stuff that feels like something that is more modern era them mm-hmm. um but it fits really well, and it feels like a dynamic shift that's necessary. And Dan's doing his similar thing, where now he's kind of doing the counterpoint to Matt. And it's just like, it just sounds like, all right, let's just... It, it, this song really, for it being essentially just an intro, feels like they're just throwing the whole kitchen sink at it. You know, like, let's do everything we used to do. Yeah, totally. And I think that there's a, I think that there's something really powerful, too, in when Matt's delivery, when like Matt's verse comes in, it's Mm -hmm. so late. And this is, yes, this is a song that's led by Dan and it's like, you see it coming, but the fact that it takes its time to get there to like deliver that just sense of like, yeah, there's a, an interesting, like, 
familiarity, even though, you know, it's, it is a different thing that happens. It's a change that happens, but I love the way they hold out on it. You know, before Matt comes in. I mean, that's the thing is like, you could argue that like without that part and then like losing a second chorus, this is just an intro. Yeah. It would just be the beginning and then Dan sings it and then we go into his song and you know, I don't think that would be the wrong decision, but I like that they explored and kind of put more meat onto this. Like, you can tell that they were like, we need some more, so we're going to, like, Matt, let's do your part, you know? And then we'll kind of kick it back, mm-hmm. and it'll feel really big. And it does, and I think it just kind of hits the marks that you want for an opening track. Yeah. You know, because they have historically been very good at those. Like, I think even on records i don't like the openers are usually pretty good (laughs) like Mm -hmm. just kind of is what it is and on their good records they're usually very well picked um yeah so like they're a band who i do not think struggles with that they kind of almost always know how to open and close an album and when they don't that's when it gets worrisome Mm -hmm. um and i don't know if they knew how to close this one necessarily Again, I wouldn't mind it if it had any other lyrics on Earth. But, like, uh, (laughs) you know, there's so much of this record that feels like them just trying to understand, like, okay, like, we don't have to overthink it. Like, though I don't like Crystalline or whatever the fuck. Uh Uh, Them just being like, all right, we're doing the acoustic closer. That's what we would have done when we needed one. We're just doing it. I, I appreciate the energy being there. I appreciate the, like, not overworking something until it's dead yeah and this song doesn't feel that way and i think all the best material on this is just like nope this is cool let's leave it and that's such a smart move for a band uh, who's like been doing it for a long time it does feel though like the the way that this song is and the way that it presents the record they are seemingly self-aware and trying to say okay like we've been opening these records up with bangers. Mm-hmm. What can we do differently? Because in a like less inspired form, this record opens with Blackbird, just the same yes. as as she lied to the FBI. So it's like, okay, cool. We're like even just like starting things off a little bit differently. That's a really really great way to maneuver yourself into doing more interesting things than you would be doing if you just started the way that you're used to well because yeah i think you're i think you're 100 right because i think part of that is like in the case of a record like my shame is true i think nothing else i think that song is i think she lied to the fbi is is built as an opener it's meant to be there Mm -hmm. and like nothing else can really live up to it after because it's so kind of direct and it's like this is the best kind of version of what the songs matt's bringing to the table are yeah you know so like it's it becomes tricky right and i think the same is true of this addiction where like i don't love that song but i think it's fine Mm -hmm. and it opens a fine record so you really don't get anywhere with it it just kind of is what it is and this like feels complete and feels thought through while also kind of making you be like, okay, well, what is going to happen next? Yeah. It leaves a little question mark. Yeah. And, like, that's a tough thing to do because it made me start thinking of, like, what are other albums where, like, 
whether it's the intro, whether it's billed as an intro or like the first song functions as that. And like, I can only think of a handful really, because it's, it's, I think a lot of intros can be really extraneous. Mm -hmm. Um, You see them a lot on metal records where I don't need like two minutes of just like wind whipping through the trees to get to the first riff. Like let's fucking move on. Um, But like one, I think it's kind of similar to the first song on uh, Dork Rock Cork Rod, where it's just like, oh, this is what you're doing, and now we're into another one, you know? And that's a much shorter thing, mm-hmm. but it feels very aware of what it's there for in the same way. Yeah, so you're you're posing it in terms of what's one that ends so that the second track can just pick up yep. right there. It's like a weird thing where like not a lot of people do that, but this feels like them consciously writing like, how is this going to play on the record? And I think that's different from like, I'm trying to write an opening track. Yeah. I think those are two different moves. And I don't think you see this one a lot because it's harder. And those songs end up not usually feeling like they stand alone. Whereas this one kind of does. Yeah. Yeah, totally. One thing that really stands out and is very different from anything that this band had put out for at least three albums is the self-awareness. The fact that it is absolutely addressing itself. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting, it's an interesting delivery because I don't think that the feeling from Alkaline Trio fans during this time was that the band is cursed. It was just like, oh, maybe they're just like, you know, petering out for some of us. So to like, it's almost like by saying, is this thing cursed? It's like, oh, we know what you've been thinking yeah. We're going to fucking take it up to a level that you're not even prepared for us to take mm. it to. And that's the opening line of the yeah, record I that mean, is called Is This Thing Cursed? It's like, you know, I actually, I think what makes me, I, I like that idea so much because it feels so honest and just like kind of jokey and self-referential. And they don't really, they don't pull back that veil much in what is the present uh, um yeah where you, you see it a lot earlier on but also i think i think it's also a good album title i like it i just wish the fucking album cover didn't suck shit like that's that's really what bums me out about it is like they could have done something with that that was a little more fun you know it feels as kind of phoned in as the agony and irony cover where it's like that's what we're doing like that's it um it feels phoned it, in yeah exactly um where it's like what i will say in the same way like this addiction like you just released a record that had the fucking heart skull as the cover now you're doing the heart medicine cover Mm -hmm. what the fuck are you thinking whereas like to its credit i actually like the my shame is true cover i think it's cool like it's at least interesting yeah i think it's cool Uh, too but like this one i think that's the thing is i feel like this record looks really corny Uh uh-huh but is not functionally and that's a weird thing you know, mm-hmm. um, I think one can argue this band has more bad album covers than good Dude, ones. Absolutely. Too, so. It's like, it's like, 
the only the, the, they go back to to two things it's uh it's the heart skull and it's the fucking just the three of them just on the cover looking goofy yeah like that's all you got huh um <laughs> So I do think that kind of hurts it, like the aesthetic of this record and like the font of this, where it's like Tim Burton handwriting scrawled on the, co- like, hate it. Um, but like, again, what they're actually saying and like this kind of like self-awareness that seeps into this track is like really cool. And I think it's, I think it's there throughout other songs on it too, that like, I would not fault someone for reading the opposite way. But, like, I remember a lot of people being, like, about Demon and Division, like, oh, him, like, making jokes about, like, the mean streets where Damon and Division meet. I'm like, I think he knows what he's saying. Yeah. Like, one, <laughs> it was when he lived there, but I think he's aware, like, I don't think he's clueless about that fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, you know, there's just little shit like that where it's, like, I think you can, if you want to read this in the bad spirit, I think it reads that way. If you want to read in the good spirit, you can read it that way. And maybe there's a little bit of truth to both. But I think, I really think they knew what they were doing on this record. I think everything about it feels very deliberate and very thought through and like genuinely like excited. Like even the songs I don't like, I don't get the sense that they're like slogging their way through it Mm -hmm. in the way that I do some other material. Yeah. I mean, this really, it just feels like a song that, you're just waiting to just like spring from and it's really cool um the way the guitars enter in i think that that instrumental passage is so strong it's classic trio but it's really got something going on underneath too Mm -hmm. and i I think the lyrics like throughout, you know, there's, I think a lot of like deliberate references to the past, either songs or album titles. Um, But I also like love Matt's verse so much because it, it comes in and it's just, I don't know. It's very classic Matt imagery and like dance working in that way too. But like, you know, the my haunted head aches so much worse than those I can't remember how dismemberment works. Mm-hmm. Fucking chef's kiss. I mean that line is great. It it can read so corny, but I think that's why. Like that is the type of stuff we would exalt from the earlier work. And I don't, you know, like I see that throughout this mm-hmm. album, and I see that a lot in the song, and like. There are some quibbles I have with lyrics in this song, you know, like the obvious one. The boat going um, tits up? Yeah. Love it. Uh, I don't hate it, but, and again, there's a little bit of the leaning on the nautical imagery, which Dan is just obsessed with. Um, you try living in, an, in a peninsula. Yeah, I mean, I guess that would really change my perspective. It's like, whoa, water <laughs> everywhere. I would drop a drink. Um, <laughs> But, like, again, it doesn't bug me that much here. I feel like I like the whole, like, city cut my water thing. Like, I, you know, I think there's, like, like fun little shit happening. And, like, I think sometimes it's really easy to over-intellectualize shit. And, like, 
not just look at it like, is it fun? Does it do what it sets out to do? Mm-hmm. And I think this song to me, you can do both with, which is nice. And I think that was always what drew me to this band is I could just put on a song like Snake Oil Tanker and have a great time. And someone would be, what's that about? I don't know. Uh-huh. Nothing. Um, it doesn't matter. And this one, or they could write a song like fucking 97 where I could read into it for seven years, you know, like whatever. Um, 97 and I think years. this, yeah, I think this splits the difference. I think this song gives you a little bit of depth and substance while just being like, we just want to write a fun song and we're having fun playing this. And that's how the record's going to open. It's the title track. It's, it's, Boom, there you go, everything. It just feels very obvious and it doesn't feel overthought. And I think that is that's the problem so many songs can fall into from any band that's been around for a while is like they're either writing too much to their template or mm-hmm. they're just like overworking it because the longer you go, the more time, you know, like they this there was five years between records, like they could have easily spent six months working on this and maybe a lot of the stuff that's good on this record goes away. Um, yeah. And I'm just really glad they understood, like just because we're a bigger band and more of a legacy band now doesn't mean we need to like, you know, we can rush through it cause we're, we're good songwriters and musicians at the core of it. And mm-hmm. if you have that core, you can get to a good place most of the time. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think this is just one of those examples where, like, hearing the song start this record, I was like, oh, fuck. And, you know, there are some dips in the album, but I still think, like, this is, I mean, it's. I think it's their best of the modern ones um, as it is released. I think so, too. And I think that that's a really good point about their strength as songwriters, because this is one that you can tell the hands were fucking in there with the intention of like, how do we just make this song good? How do we make this yep. do something um, as opposed to how did it, how has it always worked for us? And, you know, before we wrap though, cause I know we're getting late in the game. I need to bring up something should have brought up earlier. Kind of slipped my mind, but it's important. So if you've made it this deep, if you've not heard the song by the Alkaline Trio, and I'm going to put song in air quotes, uh, and I'm going to put by the Alkaline Trio in air quotes, go to YouTube, type in Alkaline Trio Fruit Please, and listen to that song. Um, Because that was, I think, their first attempt at trying to do it. They played that song live a few times as an intro to their sets. Uh-huh. Always really loved it. Always wanted a studio version. And then the studio version shows up on the first Matt Skiba and the Secrets record under the title, How the Hell Did We Get Here? And that is an example of overworking it and ruining it. And this song feels like them having given up what was a really good intro track that was also very self-referential mm-hmm. and like perfectly what, what we were describing and it could have been on this addiction or my shame is true and they didn't do it uh but thankfully we got this one out of it and i think it just makes something that is like oh you learned from a mistake one time thank you for that i'm glad 
Um, so if you've not heard that song, go listen to that and then the the released version under Matt Skiba and the Secrets, and I think you'll see which version worked a little better. Um, something that I've been putting together over the course of this podcast, uh, in looking at like you know the lyrics and how sometimes they work, but when the song's not great, those lyrics are agonizing. Mm-hmm. And ironizing. Alkaline Trio is an action movie. When it works, it doesn't fucking make a difference that what is happening is physically impossible, that one person's actions make no logical sense, that all one has to do is hit a fucking button or close the door. But when it's good, who fucking cares? Because it's 100%. I, I've been bemoaning the fact recently that like action movies, but specifically comedies, which used to just like exist in their own universe where anything was possible. It was essentially live action cartoons and could just be funny. Now have to be like, and I have a bad relationship with my father and that's going to be the third act now. And like, I don't need that shit. Make me laugh. Let me enjoy an explosion. This band is that. And like, they can be more than that and have been more than that. And I believe maybe have the potential to be more than that again. But you know, like, there's a reason that a fart joke works. We don't need to make it like a bigger thing about like, well, actually I have celiac and you see like, it's like, who gives a fuck? Just like, did it work? Um, and in this case it worked. So Con Air, basically. Alkaline Trio Con is, is Con Air. Take the movie, the rock, which I love and cut out the first 45 minutes and you're better off. What do you rate this one? This one gets a three and a half for me. Uh, I probably could have gone higher, but I think it's just so functional and so fun. And like, there's something that keeps it from the top tier, but I think that makes the next two songs more top tier. And it's just, it's a perfect lead off man, baby. That's what it is. He got on base. The other guys are going to hit the home runs. I'm going to go four and a quarter. There's just, uh, there's something that's uh, this is one of the the one of the alkaline trio songs that i think is going to like retain its listenability because there are so many small things yeah going on in it and i think for for a song that you know once you hear it you know its function um for that not to become just a little bit like you know, yeah, okay, I know I know what this is all about. It's kind of just like the lead up to second song. There's there's a lot of good stuff happening underneath and I think that it I think that that's one of the uh I think takeaways that I have from it is that this doesn't feel redundant. Yeah, 100%. I mean, they just need to write more economical songs again and this is a good example of that. And I think Blackboard Blackbird is also a good example where like they just kind of get in and do the thing and, and play around with it and get out when it's done. Like, I, I think this song, more than anything I can think of in recent memory, is them just being like, yeah, it's complete. It doesn't matter that it doesn't have these other parts. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, and so much of their early material is that exactly. 
where it's like snake oil tanker cooking wine like kind of just one thing twice yep <laughs> perfect um and i think this just this has that energy and it's just i think it just so perfectly does what it needs to do that like you know and it's one that like i believe they played it at riot fest the last time i saw him and i was like good play this song live like do this like don't mm-hmm. th- that's always a bum out for me is when a band like actually puts out a good late period record but is too nervous to like actually play that shit yeah and I would like these songs to be more part of their canon and be part of seeing them live because they're fun. And I think they demand it. Like, kick out some of the other ones you still keep around and, like, slot in three or four of these. And I, I think it would be a fun time. As you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio, every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. This week it is, it was, is this thing cursed? And uh, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were and we go into long form over there sometimes and you can kind of tell the days that we do because boy we fucking just kick it when we record the podcast afterwards it's exactly what we did today so we uh talked about some return to form records that really follow through on the on the promise and it was a nice thing to talk about going uh into this which wasn't a return to form record but it fucking vibes like one mm-hmm. um you can sign up for that at patreon.com slash as you were it's a place for you to help support the show either way we will be back next week we look forward to it and we will see you then thank you friends this is the-